0: Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. P-Nate, Pootie, Raj Mahal, it's all popping off. How are you feeling, Nate? I'm
1: feeling good. Three weeks in a row. It's like a winning streak.
0: This is like when your favorite baseball team wins the whole series and they get a sweep. It's like everybody's <laughs> happy. Everything went great until the next week, right? Yeah, so that's, like, right. You know. that's right. So, so everybody is sitting here
1: with... Glad hearts that uh, the Rebels seem like they're back in business, but there's that little bit of fear. We've seen this before. They might fall off the face of the earth for another year.
0: As Jays fans, that means we have Tampa next. Yeah, that's
1: right. right. Good analogy.
0: Not to derail us too too quick before we get started. Baseball is going to be a thing this year.
1: I know. It was touch and go there for a while, but yeah, it looks like it will be.
0: The culture seems to be opening up. Like kids are going to be able to play baseball um, this year. Like you're going to be able to coach and play yourself. This is craziness.
1: Actually, that's a great segue. So I'm just going to jump right into it because that's a good segue, because as things are opening up, probably a lot of our listeners are asking themselves some questions such as do I want to go and support a restaurant that didn't want to support me when I was the unvaccinated unclean one and the government told them that they couldn't serve us do I want to send my kids to soccer and stuff like that? You know, knowing that it could all be ripped away. Doug Ford's already saying that mask mandates could come back in the fall and all kinds of stuff. Right. So we live in this world now where the politicians have gotten a taste for ultimate power, as the emperor might say. Unlimited um, <laughs> power. Yeah. Unlimited. That's right. But a lot of us are weary about how to step back into society or do we step back into society? Boom. What a segue, right? That's a pretty good segue. Yeah, I know. That's-
0: how are you answering that question?
1: And there's a couple of things. Our small group did go up for wings a couple of weeks ago when we first could and did Bible study at uh Krabby Joe's with chicken wings. Very messy, by the way, very messy way to try to do a study. So there's a lot more, uh, um, socialization than anything else, but all that to say, so we have done that, but these are conversations that we're having in terms of what, like, do we want to support and that sort of stuff? So I'm telling a lot of people that number one, one of the things that I'm thankful for with COVID is that I think it taught our church how to be a family. Is that fair? Absolutely. Do you agree with that? I've never had so many people in my house. It sounds so, this is like confession hour, right? Because this is all like bad, illegal stuff. But like I have never hosted or been as hospitable as I have been in the last year. And having people in our home, going into other people's homes, I've had more meals with church people in the last year than I have in the previous eight years of my pastoral ministry combined. And it's not just sharing meals together, kids' play dates, all that kind of stuff. One of the things that we did at our church, knowing that a lot of our people couldn't get into arenas to go ice skating or play hockey or whatever um, because of their vaccination status. Or those who might have gotten vaccinated not wanting to, not wanting to support the segregation of society, we built a rink. A couple guys in our church a family that owns a farm offered up their farm for it, and a couple guys in our church got together, built a beautiful. It's got boards, it's got everything, and so we we played hockey out there, uh, did skating lessons with the kids out there, we did family skates, and they actually have a, a barn adjacent to it, so there's trampolines and ping pong tables and all kinds of fun stuff. So our church, lots of the church family was just hanging out there all day on Saturdays, Sunday afternoons, their family skates every morning throughout the week. It was great seems like the announcements at church, right? Like This is what we're doing. Yeah, this great. is all what the things that we're doing. Yeah, <laughs> Karate classes in the foyer and, you know, gymnastics classes and all that kind of stuff. Because when stuff got canceled and parents didn't want to have their kids suffer of uh, the, you know, not having that sort of the community that maybe their karate or their gymnastics team or their hockey team or whatever created, that all just came, became an internal thing. Our church family got very, very good at sort of doing life together this year. I think that that's something that I hope continues. Uh, I hope we don't go back to the way things were. I don't think we go back to normal, but... That was one thing that we did and that I'm th- very thankful for COVID for.
0: Very early on, Doug Wilson actually said this about like, uh, normal has to die. COVID came so normal could die. And like the the idea of like, I'm probably paraphrasing in a way, is like the idea is like we for so long have outsourced all of this stuff. Like not just the church, but just families, everybody in general. Like we would go to a league that put on hockey. We would go to restaurants that fed us. Even if we were going to go out with somebody, we would go to a restaurant to do that. Obviously, there's exceptions, but we're very good at like using the tools that society has given us all all the way around. COVID basically taught us that like to be self sufficient. To be, yeah. Okay, you know what? We want to have hockey. Well, we okay. That means we build we build the rink, we schedule it, we have somebody run it, and we do it ourselves. Yeah. Kids don't have gymnastics. We set up gymnastics, karate. It's taught us to basically. Be a family like when you were a kid. There was always that family who did everything together mm-hmm. for a long time. For me, anyway, I was always like, "That's the weird family on my street." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but what ended up happening is that family was well adjusted. They're still close. You know what I mean? They're still having dinners mm-hmm. every every Sunday, and they're in each other's lives, even though you know now one lives in Alberta, one li- like. There's still a, a tight knit family of a, like a unit, and I think COVID, if anything, it's taught like our church to get back to to being one big family right like to the point where like i don't care if normal ever comes back you know what i mean like
1: i miss going to the movie theater i don't know about getting the licenses and stuff but we've had several movie nights at the church too right like and 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 that's been great we make our own popcorn it's a lot cheaper and uh all the families come together the kids run around and uh it's phenomenal so we've done that we've done date nights guess who's coming to dinners like all these kinds of things that that we've done absolutely and now that society's opened up the temptation is to stop doing them as a church and start going to the theater again, going out to the restaurants again. What we want to do in this episode is kind of make the case to not. Don't do that. Don't do that. I think that Christians should be focusing on creating a parallel society, a, a parallel community. I think that one of the things that we that we saw through this pandemic is how easily stuff is taken from us. And the more we rely on the government for services for food for money for anything the more susceptible we are to having those things taken away so if we are relying on them for things one of the things that happened over this this past year is a lot of the families in our church started looking to self-sufficiency even when it came to food, planting gardens and raising chickens and and that sort of stuff. And so learning that, learning how to homestead, learning how to garden, all of that kind of stuff, you know, store food, pickling and jarring and canning and all that kind of stuff. So we saw a lot of that kind of stuff happening and a lot of people teaching one another how to do that. And the other thing that happened is a lot of the people in our church started losing jobs because of vaccine statuses or a lot of businesses were hit hard by lockdowns and stuff like that. So we found people didn't have work when this was proposed to us. And, and the elders started doing this. I was just like, why have we not thought about this before? So we got a big job board, right? And so the people who own businesses, they hire people from within the church and people who need uh, need an extra hand you know, doing stuff around the house, they post it on the job board and people who look, who need childcare for a day or two a week, they post to look for childcare within the church. If you need a job, come to Crossroads and take a look at our job board because there's postings there. What we're trying to do here is, is a couple things. Number one, we want the people that you work for, the people that you hire, the people that you chum with at the water cooler. We want the people that your, your kids are in karate with. We want that to be church people. And the reason we want that is so that we can build community, that we can do lives together. It's not so that we can become so insular that we'd never run across a non-Christian. But, you know, what was cool is that we had non-Christians sending their kids to karate because they didn't think that these lockdowns were necessary. And they were looking for a place to put their kids in because... Their kids still needed socialization, and the church happened to be running free karate. So I think what we should be doing is looking for ways to be a community unto ourselves, not so that we can be exclusive to Christians, but so that we're the ones who are running things, and we're the ones who have the things that are bringing non-Christians in, things that won't get canceled because of political ideology or political whims.
0: Right now, because even the the cult alarm bells are running (laughs) off my head, is like, Don't hear us saying, like, create a Christian cult. Like, what we're saying is create a Christian culture. Think back to the Old Testament. Israel was a nation set apart. It was a remnant of people who were commanded to live different than all their neighbors, right? Which is why when Israel cried out for a king, it was actually an affront to God because he was like, you already have one and you're just wanting to look like the other nations around them. This is the story of Judges over and over again. Israel sees their na- their neighbors doing different things and want to be like them. Yep. They fall into sin and have to basically get delivered. What we're saying here is don't try to be like the world. The world will want to be like us. Yep. Like because we're the ones that are doing will be doing it right. Live God's way and we'll do this right. Like all of these things you mentioned, like I mean you didn't even mention the big two healthcare and, and education, yeah. which are probably the biggest two things that were affected over the, yeah, big the time. lockdown. These are all things that the, like the church was supposed to be in charge of. And we abdicated our, our rights to this. And what COVID did was like, well, it taught a lot of moms that, you know what? I can do homeschooling. You Absolutely. I mean? like, yeah. It taught our, taught our church. to be like, You know what? Maybe we should have a school. All those things like, thank you, COVID. Mm-hmm. One, you brought yeah, tons totally. of people to us. And then a lot of the things that we have just easily given up that we didn't even think about. Hey, it's a great idea. Let's hire all the Christians in our church to work at our businesses. Yeah. Now we'll never go back the evangelist to me thinks about, like, well, what about like sharing your faith? And I'm like, we're not saying that don't be good neighbors to your friends. In fact, what's more loving to have like one neighbor over or have like 15 people over and was like, well, 12 of these people come to my church, Graft them in. You know what I mean? Like there's that, uh, there's that people I'm on a tangent. Huh? Go for there's it. the, there's that principle of immigration in the old Testament. It's like, well, what was the difference? Like, it wasn't come and stay exactly in your culture. It was come and get grafted into Israel's culture, right? Yeah. And like you come and you become one of us. That's the picture of of the gospel spreading the land. We graft in all the people who didn't, who didn't agree with us. And over time, they become us. You know what I mean? One of us. What's funny about this is that we have no problems with every other culture doing this. It's just it just because when we think about Christians, Christians are like I don't want to be the people to do it. The Muslims have been doing this for decades. Yeah. Have tons of babies, put them in their own schools, move into a community, get everybody else to move to that same community. Yep. And then enforce our worldview, get into politics, take over, and make Shira a law thing. We just naturally accept that that's what the Muslim culture does. I don't really fault them for it. That's what they should do in their worldview. You know what I mean? We can take it further. In in New York, for instance, if you're a Jewish person in New York, you don't go to the Catholic barber. You go to the Jewish barber. Yeah. If your car breaks down, you go to the Jewish car guy because yep. they keep it in house.
1: Even beyond that, it's interesting. When we visited New York and uh, Grant and Erica, who we were visiting, their church was purchased fairly cheaply, and they were telling us why that was, was because in the Jewish neighborhood, they have their own insurance writers. And so when they would come in to assess the value of a building, they would assess it lower uh, assuming that it would be Jews who came into the, the Jewish community who could buy that house for cheaper. And so it's interesting. So when you think like, for example, our church, we actually had our, for a little while during the pandemic, when we were open during lockdowns, we had our, our liability insurance in jeopardy, we'll say <laughs> on and off again a few times, but we had our liability insurance as it related to communicable diseases pulled because they didn't want to insure us because of our stance through, through COVID. So you look at that and you're like, okay, well, that's interesting. What would have happened if our insurer was a Christian? What would have happened if, you know, and we, we actually do work with a insurer who says they're Christian, but obviously they weren't on the same page with this stuff. But the more on the same page you get with all this stuff, the more you're keeping the money in-house. That's important. Why would we work hard for our money and then give that money to non-believers to do with whatever non-believers do with money? So again, I'm not saying that I, I get it. Your, your cult antenna is going off again there, Chris. But the idea here is call the Christian mechanic, call the Christian general laborer, call the Christian kitchen guy. And what you're doing there is, especially during a pandemic, there are a lot of people in our church who are handymen, who are whatever, who weren't out of business during COVID because they were doing a renos in, inside the houses of the uh, church family. So the more like-minded your community is in terms of the services that are available and all that kind of stuff, the more like-minded people that there are there, the more everybody thrives within that community. And I would just say there is such a huge evangelistic opportunity here because you have a world, certainly we have a nation, but I think you have a world that is now starving for fellowship. I don't think people understand how heavy-handed the restrictions and lockdowns were. Until they get around. We see this every week. New people come to the church and they're just in tears because they have not not been in a large crowd of like minded people where kids can run around and play together for years now. And they're starved for fellowship. Oh, you guys drink coffee together and hug one another. And and you guys, you know, are in each other's homes and you have the guest who's coming to dinner. Like, can we get in, in on that? So, yeah, absolutely. Because what the world is looking for is community. And so you have this opportunity to be that city on a hill where everybody's looking and kind of saying like, oh, wow, I wonder what life is like there. And what we've experienced, the growth we've experienced, it's, it's both Christians coming because they had the conviction to continue to gather and that the worship gathering shouldn't be dictated by the state. But you also have a whole lot of non-Christians who have started coming and they're just here because of the community. And they're hearing the gospel every week. They're hearing biblical teaching every week. And one of these days, I'm sure God is going to you know, give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Some of them have gotten saved. Some are still just there because they love the community.
0: Yeah this sounds like I'm tooting our own home, but we've never done this many baptisms during the, the, yeah. the course of the, like the last couple of years, there's been more baptisms than we had in at least the seven years previous that we were at the church. For sure. The reason is because people are coming and they're like exactly what you're hearing. They're coming for a reason. That's like, you know, I want fellowship or I want community or just to be free yep. for a day, but then they're hearing the gospel. They're getting saved. God's bringing them to himself. Right. Um, and
1: part of what happens when, when you are a community unto yourself is they come and visit you on a Sunday morning and probably they'll get a, dinner invitation for either lunch that afternoon or, or some other time that week, and then they'll, they'll come and they'll bring their kids to the karate class, and then they'll realize that we have a homeschool co-op, and so they bring their kids to the homeschooling co-op. By the second time they've come to church, they've been surrounded by Christians within our church community for like four or five days, right? And so they're, they're not just hearing the gospel on Sunday morning, they're, they're hearing it several times throughout the week and watching it get lived out. You read Acts 2 and you, it talks about how the believers, they were together and they shared things and they had things in common, all that kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not saying we get back to that commune idea of nobody you don't own your stuff and everything. But what I am saying is that there's a community and a camaraderie when you are taking care of one another, the way scripture compels us to take care of one another, you have non-Christians coming in and saying, Oh, that's what it's like to be a Christian. You know, you have all your needs met. You have, you go through a rough week and you have meals delivered, you know, all that kind of stuff.
0: I think what you just said there is, is the, the key point. Cause like all the method or sorry, all the like actual things that we're doing, the practical things like the karate, Your church might not be able to put on a karate thing, but the the method, the... You might not um, have
1: multiple belts at your church (laughs) like we do. Like we do. Our Um, church could beat your church. (laughs) I just about to say (laughs) that.
0: Our church would beat your church in a fight, unless you have guns. Um, But like, well, we have tons of those too, but that came out weird, but uh, anyway. But like the actual things you do might be different, but it's the idea of living life together. But you said something that I think is the first thing that people need to get this right. And I think we very early on in this pandemic, by need not i don't think we were just wiser than everything i think actually just simply god presented need and we found a way to, to fulfill it is that the principle in first corinthians is like so that the body can function right the body has to be healthy itself so you have to take care of your own body first that's right and what ends up happening is like yes the body that's taken care of then influences and takes care of others outside outside themselves but like if you're not a healthy internal body you have no business going into somebody else's house and fixing their problems until your body's been taken care of. So like very early on, it was like, what was the felt needs in our, in our church community teaching real loss of job, real employment issues. And we started to solve those problems internally. What ends up happening is that therefore by those needs getting met, the testimony of what God's doing in our body gets spread to the neighbors and we're seeing them come in yeah, and right. then their needs are getting, th- yeah. their needs are getting met. And it's not, we're not a wealthy church by any, any means, God always finds a way to give what you need to be able to, to bless the, those around us. Right. So what ends up happening is just like exactly what we said, like people who would never have darkened the door during a church come through the door during COVID yeah. and are then changed because of the the ministries that's happening. And it's not any specific thing. It's that the power of God is working in their, in their lives through these things. So I think that's like the, the first thing, if you're hearing us, like, how do I do this in my church rebels? Meet the needs of your actual people first.
1: So there's a lot of things that can be said when you think through everything that got taken away this year. Think through that. Right. So businesses got shut down. Would this pandemic have looked different if there were a bunch of businesses? You know, remember in Italy when uh, a bunch of the uh, restaurants and uh, the tourists, some of the touristy areas in Italy, they all just opened up together. They did what we tried to get all the churches to do uh, Easter of 2021, and they just opened up, and it's like, okay, well, I guess there's no more lockdown on, on restaurants because they all just opened. Yeah. How different would this have looked if, if there were a lot more like-minded Christian business owners who just said, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. No, nah, I'm not going to make people wear masks. So that said— Encourage your people. Bring in entrepreneurs. Put on entrepreneurial seminars. Uh, help people get businesses started. Is there somebody in your church who is a, a savvy business person? We have a guy in our church. I love him to death. And I, I he's kind of like a serial entrepreneur. He's always starting up something else. And he, he gets all these businesses started. And then it's kind of like, oh, I can just keep doing whatever ones I like and whatever ones I don't, you know. Get a guy like that who's good at starting things up and then put the right people in place. Start thinking through what are the things that were taken from us. I think education, you mentioned, is a huge one. Encourage your people to get their kids out of government schools.
0: I realized on this podcast, like a couple of years ago, it was like pro pup, like the public school, like get your kids out of the schools. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so what does that mean? Okay. If you don't have a thriving homeschool network, reach out to a church that does get some parents to come on in and teach them how to do it. Get a co-op up and going, have people figuring out how to do those sorts of things in community. You talked about uh healthcare. Well, I mean, honestly, get your aging parents out of LTCs, get them out of long-term care facilities. I'll which go on. Were,
0: which were in. I'm biblical anyway.
1: Well, and this is my point. is like the household—oh, man. I just preached on Genesis uh, 7 a couple of weeks back, and it's the first time that that the word household is used in Scripture. It talks about Noah and his household. Households are a uh, big—I love talking about this because I think a lot of times we miss what the Bible has to say about homes and households because our houses are so different than they once were. Houses nowadays are recreational retreat centers, right? It's, that's where our games are. That's where our toys are. That's where our, where we go and relax. Whereas in the ancient world, in the time of the biblical author's writing, a household was a place of industry and business and economy and commerce. It was the place where children were educated. It's the place where elderly family members were cared for. It's the place where the sick were cared for. It was a hospital. It was a school. It was a missions base. All of those things And we've lost that mentality. So when we are cooped up in our homes, this is one of the reasons everybody getting cooped up in their homes was so hard because their home, they couldn't go to work. They couldn't do whatever. They couldn't grow their own food because our homes are just recreation centers now. So all that to say, if our households begin to transform our houses are now places where we're practicing hospitality where we are becoming more self-sufficient where we are caring for the sick and the elderly among us where we're welcoming in orphans through fostering and adoption and, and great ministries like safe families if our homes once again become a mission base then that naturally extends out to what well what is the church the church is a household of households so naturally the church is going to reflect the households that comprise it and so what you can so you ask the question what can i start doing the first thing you can do is have a more biblical home have a home where you are inviting people into where the word of god is being shared where bread is being broken with other believers all that kind of stuff Get control of your household. Have you ever thought about the idea in Titus and in 1 Corinthians where it talks about how one of the qualifications for elders is that he managed his own household well? And it says that if he can't care for his own household, how will he manage the household of God? Well, what does it mean to manage his household well? We immediately say, oh, is he leading his wife well? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's certainly part of it. But that also meant was his business in the red? right because his business was in his household right how did he treat his employees did he was he a, a harsh man to work for or was he a good man to work for did he pay people adequate wages was he cheating people did his business have a good reputation in the community all those things were attached to this idea because the household was a whole little economy actually the word economy chris thanks for asking <laughs> comes from two words oikos which means home and nomos which means law and economy is a household law it's the law of the home the the rule of the home so anyway all that to say i think what we need to do is we need to recapture biblical households and in doing so i think we recapture biblical churches and part of biblical churches means all of the things that i just said about a household ought to be true about the church as well it ought to be a place where we're not just caring for the souls of our people we'll give an account for how we cared for the souls of our people but we're caring for the whole person right? We care about their livelihood. We care about what they do for work. We care about how they clothe themselves, how they feed themselves, all those kinds of things. So we ought to care for the whole person, not just the soul uh, as a sort of notch on, oh, we saved another soul. We even talk about like that, eh? Like even churches and evangelism ministries and stuff like that, they talk about that. Like how many souls were saved? Souls aren't detached from people. People are a body and a that we're material and immaterial. We're body and we're soul. So we have to be caring for the whole individual.
0: Yeah, and when you don't do this, this is why, like, the Billy Graham crusade becomes a thing, right? Like, where it's like, the only goal there is altar call. How many people have committed themselves to Jesus? Who cares what happens to the rest of their lives because their, their ticket's punched to heaven? You know what I mean? Right. Like, that's the only thing that matters. And it's like, nowhere in Scripture do we get that the only thing that matters is the eternal. That's the most important thing. Yeah. But, like... Jesus's ministry brought the kingdom too, right? That's like right. we have to have yeah. the kingdom. Obviously, his prayer, "Your will be done, Thy kingdom come," right? Like we still need to make the kingdom of God here, right? So, like we still need to do all the things. If it was just simply get people saved, God would just kill us at that point. You know what I mean? If once you're saved, you're just dead. That doesn't our lives are over. That doesn't make any sense at all.
1: Right. Yeah. So I think churches ought to be looking for ways to become a better community unto themselves. And they need to get better at making churches not just a place. So if if our households are guilty of becoming just private recreation centers, we don't want churches to become private recreation centers. And I think sometimes we think of churches as sort of retreat centers. Oh, that's where I go at the end of a hard week to get recharged for the next week kind of thing. But no, 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 the church ought to be a place like your home where life is being lived. I love the fact that my kids love going to church, right? They were at church this morning because one of the women's Bible studies brought me in to, to teach something and the whole family packed into the van because the kids want to be there. They then so, and oh, will there be other kids there? I'm like, I'm sure there will be kids. And of course there were. So we're doing our little study in, in one room and the kids are all uh, playing around in the other room the church ought to be a place where just life is lived and so the the more life that you can bring into the four walls of the church whether that's meeting the the needs for socialization for sports for competition for all of that kind of stuff the more you can do that internally not only are you meeting the needs of your people better, not only are you making sort of an uncancelable culture that won't be so easily sidelined by something like a global pandemic, but then you're also creating an atmosphere that I think the human soul craves, and that might be the means by which God draws unregenerate, unsaved people into your church.
0: Absolutely. I, lo- I love what you said about the the church being like, the place that like we need to do lives there. Rod Dreyer in his first book, The Benedict Option, basically talks about the idea of the our lives should be centered around the church. Yeah, the activities that are happening at the church, the prayer that happens at the church, the mission and what we're doing in the church. Our lives should be set around that. Our home is kind of our home away from the church. you know what yep. I mean. That's the place we sleep away from the church. And like obviously, he might take that a bit different than we would, but I think that idea is true, right? Like for so long in North America, we've viewed the church as the Sunday place that we go to get something. Right. Not the place that, like, is this is the mission base of our whole life. Right. Like, it's the command center, so to speak, for the mission that we're living. And our homes are, like, the mini command centers, basically. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, If you, If you want to use that. It's the reason why, in the mid-ages, churches' sanctuaries were basically fortresses. Because when the enemy came to the villages, the walls to the town weren't going to keep them out. But the sanctuary would. Yeah, And that's like, we lock it in, people would huddle in the sanctuary, which is where we keep the term, like it was like, because it kept them safe. You know what I mean? It kept them safe from the rebels, the barbarians, the bandits. Um, and it's just like, and that's kind of like, sorry. <laughs> the government, The government. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of like, we've forgotten that, right? Like now yeah. we all like trouble comes and this is why it was so anti gospel about the lockdowns, right? Totally. Like don't go gather together to be protected because there's strength in numbers be isolated completely alone from from everybody which on a very real plane like divide and conquer if your enemies can't and like again we talk about this the government isn't our friend they do not want what's best for you (laughs) They, they really don't we can just say the christian faith is their enemy because we say that there is a different lord at the end of the day they don't want us gathered together they don't want us unified with a different worldview than they have right like so art of war divide and conquer, get your enemies separated, you win. There's a very anti-gospel sentiment in the lockdowns, whereas like, just using the terms that we already use for sanctuary, which is come together and be safe and secure together, it's just a very different mindset. The danger that I think we run into in 2022 is if everything locks down, that it's going to be, hopefully, we don't want it to be too easy to go back to the way it used to be. Take the masks off. Uh, absolutely. But for you, for you and me, we weren't wearing them anyway, so <laughs> like, true. nothing changed. Um, but I mean, like there's the temptation to just like go back to the way things were. Yeah. And I think we need to be like, no, we need to create a different way to live. Yeah,
1: I agree. And so I, I think one of the things that church leaders should think of themselves as, you know, beyond obviously they're shepherds first and all that kind of stuff. But you're also sort of a cultural architect you get to set the culture in your church. Now, it's a kingdom culture. Scripture dictates the parameters of that culture. But I think one of the things that I, I'm very thankful for is that I think our elders lead the way in hospitality and prayer and you know getting involved in, in a lot of these things. And I think that that matters a lot. Trust me, guys, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. I'm a pastor who is an introvert. I want my home to be a place of private retreat where I am alone often. <laughs> but I know that that's not what's best for me. And so we do need to open up our homes. We do need to open up the church. We do need to get more involved. And pastors don't fall back on that whole idea that, oh, it feels like work when I'm there. If it feels like work when you're with your people, that's a problem. It can turn into work. It can turn into a counseling session pretty quickly. And and I think your people need to be committed to allowing you to be a part of the community as well, not just the pastor of that community. But I would say that you ought to enjoy the presence and the fellowship of your people. And if you don't, that's a problem. And I think you need to change your heart yeah. Yeah. okay you anything else that? you wanted
0: to say no I feel great yeah me too all right three weeks in a row look at us hopefully we'll see you next week <laughs> you just jinxed it oh is that a thing jinxing is that a thing sounds mm-hmm. unbiblical so okay. heretic